Welcome to Greenlight Pod. Uh, I'm Chris Long, your host, and I just realized that the fifth team in my five-team college basketball Sunday parlay is probably going to sink the whole thing. NC State getting the brakes beat off them by BC in the first half. Uh, I had Iowa uh, and the five points. I had um, UConn money line. Uh, who else did I have money line? I had uh, let's see here Villanova money line. That started slow, but they they absolutely um, they finished strong. Uh, I also had uh, Michigan money line and uh, UConn as well. If I didn't mention them, but it's all for naught. Just like last weekend when Clemson blew it against Notre Dame uh, on the fifth leg of my uh, five-team parlay. Uh, NC State's about to do the same. So thank you, NC State, for <laughs> costing my family money and also for beating us my senior year and keeping us from uh, being a 10-win team. I don't hold on to that stuff. I also had a good weekend, though, because uh, Virginia won down in Chapel Hill last night, won money on that game, and obviously that was a huge win for my Virginia Cavaliers. What a ballsy shot to finish the game. I'm going to get good at saying this guy's name by the end of the season. Walden Tensai. Did I get that right? Cowboy Reed? Walden Tensai. He needs a nickname. Waldy. Something like that. Uh, Kihei Clark. Baseline. All the way underneath. Creates a shot for uh, Walden Tensai. Waldy. And he pumps. He has the wherewithal to know that there's a couple seconds left. He's got time kind of fading to his right, knocks down a big three, down one, down in Chapel Hill, and really a must-win game for for Virginia Hoops. Um, you know, they they had him projected to be like an 11, uh, 11 seed before uh, the game in Chapel Hill last night. That was a big win. They're all going to be big big wins right now in the ACC uh, wh- where Virginia's at, but they're, they're, they're improving. And people on TV were talking about this, and so I, I apologize for some of my non-Virginia fan uh, listeners, but... You know, I'm going to be a homer for a second. You know, they did say on TV that either team, and that would be UNC and Virginia. Virginia is a lot more likely to get into the tournament right now. UNC's got a lot of heartbreaking late losses, uh, especially lately with the Duke loss, the way they lost that game, and then the Virginia game last night. Um, either team, if they were in the the dance, would give teams problems. And I'm drinking the unlikely deep run Kool-Aid with this Virginia team. I think we'd win... Uh, Two games. I think we win two games in the tourney, even at, uh, at 11. Uh, so college basketball weekend, been pretty good to me uh, on a bit of a heater. Had the Albany under also. Um, so it's been a good weekend. There was XFL today. My, uh, my parlay, did LA end up winning that game? Uh, LA lost. So, so I, uh, I almost hit on a four-team parlay, but that was just something I gave out at Bet America. So you know what? It's funny, during the football season, I almost felt like uh, a slave to betting NFL. It was like I just had to fire on every game. Having the, the space and there be like a full slate of games in college hoops every night, you don't feel the pressure to bet everything. You just pick your spots. And then if you want to bet football, you get this XFL thing. But right now, it's a crapshoot. As I mentioned last week, Vegas didn't even know what to make of it. And I think uh, it's going to take like a month for them to know uh, what the fuck's going on in that league. Today... Uh, I do have Anthony Johnson, the landlord, as they're calling him in the XFL, one of my former teammates. Uh, he's going to be joining us uh, on the green light hotline. I'm just going to call it that. I don't know if we have a name for it, but I'm going to go with green light hotline. Um, I don't think anybody else's uh, phone interviews are. I don't think anybody else uses the word hotline, so we should be good on that. It's a lot like mailbag. It's, it's a green light original. Greenlight Hotline. Anthony Johnson will be joining us on the hotline to talk about his trade uh, from L.A. to D.C. Had a big day yesterday, um, one and a half sacks. Uh, he's also going to talk about the quick turnaround, uh, you know, going coast to coast and being ready to play right away in that big D.C. win. Uh, they beat the brakes off the uh, New York team. The, uh, what, what, what the fuck is the, the name of the New York team up there? The Guardians? Guardians. The Guardians. Um, yeah, the defenders beat the brakes off the Guardians, and Anthony Johnson is going to be a force force for them. They have a pretty good defense. I'll ask him about that. Uh, he, he was also in the a, uh, AAF, which to me is uh, it's interesting to hear from guys that were in that league 
why they think the XFL is going to work and why the AAF didn't work. He also played four years in the league. Uh, I played with him in New England. He he didn't make the roster there, but man, he was on the bubble, and that was a pretty good defense we had. He he was kind of a tweener, if anything, and that was his problem. This is a guy that that's played, you know, inside, outside. Um, he's fluctuated in weight. He's done really whatever coaches have asked him to do. He's a great teammate, very explosive, explosive player. Um, we called him Freak Kimbo after Kimbo Slice. Um, and Anthony was a great teammate, great player. No surprise that he's going to be one of the stars in the XFL. So very happy for him. Great to have him join us. And then also, of course, today uh, in sports, in athletics, we also have a, a big NASCAR race, the Daytona 500. Heard of it? I have. Uh, and I'm going to learn more about it because my brother, Kyle Long, uh, you know, just retired. One of his big hobbies uh, the past few years has been NASCAR. Uh, along with golf. He's a terrific golfer. My brother uh, picks up golf, just like all the other sports he plays, just picks up a stick. Here I go, stick. Picks up a golf stick. <laughs> That's the second fucking time I've done that, which goes to show you I, I, I don't belong anywhere near a golf course. Uh, he picks up a club, and he just hits it far and straight and looks smooth doing it. When he played baseball in high school, he was like Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, I don't know if there, who the lefty golfer is, but he looks like... Um, you know, one of these long drive guys with an actual Phil Mickelson. He's a lefty. Um, Phil Mickelson. He looks like a big jacked Phil Mickelson. Same calves. I know they say Phil Mickelson's got those calf implants. Kyle's aren't implants. Uh, I know they're not implants, Phil. In case you're listening. Um, but Kyle can hit it far and he can hit it straight. But he loves NASCAR. He uh, he does iRacing. racing. Actually, is a part owner of an iRacing racing team. Uh, he's done. He just was out in the desert, like, you know, riding along with some Red Bull guys that were driving these trucks through the through the desert, jumping over big hills and shit, breathing in sand and driving really fast um, out in, like, uh, Nevada. And, uh, yeah, so Kyle's into that. He's going to explain what's going on with Daytona, um, and he's going to explain, you know, his affinity for NASCAR to a total layman. Although I have been one, to one race – and the funniest thing about these races, I went down to Martinsville um, with some buddies. Uh, first off, a lot of flags that I didn't enjoy seeing at these uh, at the at that event. Um, I would have thought there was a very popular car uh, with that flag that we all know, one of the the stars and bars as they call it. That was not a great feeling to see all those flags. Um, but the product on the track there, product's pretty pretty decent. Now I, I wouldn't sit in the stands and watch it. Um, you know, I, I was very lucky. I had uh, I had like um, I ha- I had like a hookup. I knew one of the pit crew people, and they had me down in the in the middle, like on you would call it field level, track level. Uh, and I got to watch the cars whip around in 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 real time, and that was pretty that was pretty damn cool. It was exciting. And you know what I found out was like a lot of those former football play, a lot of former football players uh, work in pit crews. So um, you know, I was running into a couple guys that I played against, and I had no idea they were in NASCAR now, and they're they're the guys you know putting tires on and uh, you know making sure I don't know what to, I, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about so I couldn't even tell you what they were doing but it's a very physical sport in that sense uh I'll ask Kyle um you know if he thinks NASCAR drivers are uh are athletes I think the pit crew for sure are athletes another thing was it was funny when you get in the stands and I tried to be in the stands for a little bit everybody's got these radios on like they're doing podcasts like whole families like little son little daughter mom, dad, all sitting there. They all have like, you know, the Kevin Harvick t-shirts on. They all root for kind of the same car. Entire families do. They got their radios. They know exactly what's going on. But every lap looks the same. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble getting, sitting in the stands and watching it. But it's, it's conceptually very exciting to me. It's these guys are total daredevils and, and psychos to be in these cars going this fast. I mean, it is, I'm watching a rerun right now of, uh, of the Daytona 500 last year. It's insane. 
It's insane. I just don't know if I could watch it for three hours. Kyle will try to sell me on that, so we'll have Kyle on. So tomorrow I'm headed to Tanzania, uh, and I hate packing, especially packing for an international trip. But uh, nonetheless, I'm excited to go because it's always nice going over there to see where we do our work. Uh, Waterboys, waterboys.org. That's a clean water charity. And um, I am taking a group over to start this safari um, program. You know, we've been doing Conquering Kelly, which is, you know, bringing veterans, uh, combat veterans and uh, NFL players over to climb Mount Kilimanjaro for, you know, I've, shit, I've done it four times now. So we've been going four or five years with that. I started that with my buddy Nate Boyer, Green Beret, uh, Texas Longhorn football player, Seattle Seahawks. And we we started Conquering Kelly to bring athletes, veterans and NFL football players, MMA fighters, whoever, over uh, and give them a reason to go over and see the projects we do. And, and, and of course, the, 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 uh, the result is always that everybody's hooked. You know, when you get over there, it's, you go over for the climb, it's one of the hardest things you do, but um, when you leave, you really you fall in love with the, the projects, the, you know, like the, the water projects that we do, the, the people that we meet, the, the difference we're able to make. So I'm really excited to start a safari program because truth be told, not everybody that goes over to climb that mountain uh, really has what it takes to climb a 20,000 foot mountain, but they power through. A lot of these NFL players, they might look and say, it's the world's highest walkable mountain, is gonna be walking the park. I got there with Rob Ninkovich last year and we're in our tent the first night and he's, and we're at like 8,500 feet uh, the first night. And it's like a jungle at this point, but really you don't worry about big animals. I mean, I, I suppose every once in a blue moon you might see a larger animal like a lion or something or a, um, a wildebeest or something like that. Uh, a hyena might wander in, but you know, if you ask the guides, they never do. But the whole night, I'd hear like a, a light click on, like a flashlight. Ch -ch 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 -ch. Hey, I think I heard a lion. Hey, I was like, could a hyena rip into our tent? Like I'm like Rob, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to sleep. And no. And then in the morning, at breakfast, he's like, so I guess I didn't. I should have shared this with you, but I never slept outside before, so that was interesting. And then you get guys that like, uh, some guys I've climbed with, they'll get down after summit and we get, we get, get down to like camp at 15,000 feet. You know, summit's like almost 20 and get down to 15 and everybody's like, glad that's over because summit night's miserable. And guys are like ready to fight, they're so mad. They're like, you didn't tell me it was this fucking hard. I'm like, I tried to tell you as explicitly as possible this is really hard. So. Moral of the story, not everybody is jazzed to climb a big mountain. That's fine. I'll be back on the mountain next year. I'm going to take this year off climbing to get this cushy safari program off the, uh, off the ground. I'm going to take guys uh, out into the, uh, the bush to see all types of big-ass animals. Uh, hopefully, I hate to sound insensitive, but killing each other and doing cool shit and you know, doing things that nature, nature does. Uh, and also like having little babies, baby animals. And, um, you know, it's not all about the predation guys. I'm like, I'm not bloodthirsty, but you know, I, I, I would like to see a lion take some shit down. You know, I'd like to see a lion Von Miller, a fucking can't be like a flamingo. I want to see like a lion take a big animal down. But you know, the problem is if you're rooting for the lion to take a big animal down, like, you know, there's fan favorites like giraffes. Nobody wants to see that. Um, the animal that everybody doesn't mind a lion taking down is like a wildebeest because there's so many of them. By the way, they're really dangerous. They're really dangerous. They kill a bunch of people over there, but um, I don't think anybody minds when a lion takes one of those things down. It's kind of nondescript. It looks like animals we have over here a little bit. Hot take. Nobody really gives a fuck about wildebeests. Um, lions, however... Hippos, even though hippos are really dangerous. Hippos are kind of, everybody makes hippos out to be these big cuddly animals. They will kill your ass. Um, I want to see a lion take something down this time. So I hate to sound bloodthirsty, but I was texting William Hayes, who's going on the trip. Whitney Merciless is also going on the trip. Miles Garrett, uh, Ben Garland, um, Greg Bell, Chris Draft. They're going on the safari side of it. I was texting William. Uh, he we definitely want to see something get, get eaten. Um, and that's going to be an interesting trip because Miles Garrett loves dinosaurs. William Hayes does not believe in dinosaurs. Something's got to give. 
and I look forward to uh, getting all those guys on green light in some capacity. I'm bringing my little remote pod set, which is very intimidating, fits in a backpack. I think when you, good luck getting through, you know, Tanzanian customs, they're gonna be like, what the fuck is this thing? Um, it's this, you know, elaborate, you know, I don't know, microphone, microphone, wire, 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 you know, a uh, little docking system. So if I can work the technology, you will have a multitude of, uh, of pod-like, um, I don't know. I don't know what to call them. Interviews or whatever. We're gonna. I'm gonna be interviewing people in the bush. It's gonna be cool. So stay tuned for that stuff. I'm gonna be out of town. There'll be no me and Macon here uh, in the studio, but we're gonna have a lot of audio stuff. So pop on over uh, to Apple uh, Podcasts and Spotify uh, if you're a YouTube user solely to check out what we got going on this coming week. It'll be a fun trip. We're gonna make a big difference. We're gonna raise a bunch of money for clean water. Um, love this trip every year. Hate traveling. I hate long flights. Um, two weekends in a row, your boy has been struggling. Had food poisoning last week, had back spasms this weekend. Those are going to be interesting on a flight. Hopefully I'm going to be feeling a-okay, uh, coming off this trip. I don't get sick or anything like that. Um, so yeah, looking forward to be back in, back in studio, but check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. So without further ado, we've got uh, my former teammate, uh, Anthony Johnson, XFL star, joining us uh, on the line. Welcoming now to the Greenlight Pod. Uh, he's a great teammate of mine. We spent a couple months in New England, uh, and, and quite frankly, I think he should be on an NFL roster in the country seeing why. Uh, XFL yes, star, Anthony Johnson. Yeah, yeah. How you doing, man? Yes, uh, I'm slow motion, big brother. You know I can't complain, man. Not trying to step on nobody's toes, man. No, you're the you man, dude. All you're doing out there is making <laughs> all you're doing out there is making plays. And and uh, you know you had a second half yesterday in your debut in DC. You know, they ship you across the country. You show up. Yeah. You put on the new uniform. You ball out. Uh, obviously, now before I ask you about obviously the LA trade, which sent you to DC, I want to ask you about the most important thing here, which is your nickname. You have so many. I knew you as freak. <laughs> I knew you as freak or Kimbo, and now I'm here. Yeah. You're, you're the landlord. Hey, yeah, man. So when I uh, when the league actually, actually first got started up, uh, you know, I was a part of the Los Angeles team out there in LA, and kind of kind of made a statement, man. Wanted wanted to make some statements, uh, and, and and the XFL was feeling that, so. Came up with the landlord slogan and uh, been been running with it ever since, man. It's been going well. So uh, just let the, had to let the New York Gally, uh, Guardians know yesterday that rent was due. You see? So yeah, we, had, uh, we pissed the first yeah we pissed the first shutout next in Phil history. So yeah, man, I love it. Time. Hey, well, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to be the guy when the rents due uh, and see you at my door. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. So so I, I I first off I'm really enjoying the league, man. It it, it does look a lot of fun. Uh, but obviously the first week was a little bit turbulent. You lose your coach, Pepper Johnson, who was with you, yeah. I just learned, in, in Memphis uh, in the AAF because you played in the AAF. He, you've yep. also played in the CFL. He wasn't there with you there, but he was with you in the league as well one year maybe in the NFL? Yes, sir. Yep, he was with me uh, for a year in 2017 with the New York Jets. So, yeah, man, me and Pep have a lot of history. Um, great, great defensive mind, great coach. Uh, you know, he, uh, one of the coaches that honestly moved, made, made, made the move for me to go from defensive line to linebacker because he believed in me. So, um, like I said, man, uh, just think, uh, you know, play and learn on the Pepper Johnson. And and so his firing, uh, you know, that was the the spark that made you want to want to be on the move. I saw on Twitter you said I'm a free agent. Just a, just a little bit, man. You know, uh, Coach Pep, uh, like I said, man, I, I appreciate the Los Angeles organization, but Pep uh, pretty much was the guy that brought me in and drafted me, man. And uh, you know, after I, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of what happened after that. So uh, handled it as a professional man and. Like I said, uh, I got my I got my coaches back just like he has mine, and and, and when it made some things shake, but yeah, man, wasn't too happy. Well, you had a history with him, and also you mentioned you know changing positions a bunch. You have weighed like three hundred thirty pounds before. What's the heaviest? <laughs> what's the heaviest you've ever been, man? The heaviest I've ever been, bro, is three hundred and forty pounds. I was uh, playing for the Miami Dolphins at the time. Actually, it was back in twenty fifteen. I was playing nose guard next to big uh, Jared Odrick. And uh, I was uh, the, the, the 340 pound guy coming off that kill. So yeah, man, about about 2015, about five years ago. Which is crazy. Okay, so you get to LSU out of high school. You're what a nose tackle. I was a no. I was a three tech. I was uh, actually 283 pounds. Yeah. 
And then and then you balloon up when you get in the league because they want you to be heavy. You get to 340 in Miami. And then when I play with you, and by the way, uh, Anthony played four years in the league uh, and and with with a few really good teams. And one was the the Patriots team that I was on in 16. And when you got to New England in 16, you were like a 275-pound guy, right? Yes, sir. Two hundred and seventy-five, two hundred seventy-five. So you pounds lost seven. You tackle. lost sixty, seventy pounds in a year. I had to. It was. <laughs> I know people looking like, "What the hell did you do?" But yeah, man, I had to change my life a little bit and lost that weight. And uh, it showed, it proved, uh, helped me, man. Belichick believed in me. Got on that field with you, dog. Yeah, that was fun, man. We had a lot of fun, and and you were one of the most explosive guys off the ball. That first step. What are you bringing yes, to the sir. XFL? Like, what's your if 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 I'm if I don't know Anthony Johnson and I'm turning on the tape, what should people know about you? What's your strength? Physical, physical. Yeah. That's the one thing I think everybody would always see when they turn on the tape. He's always physical. Um, and 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 honestly, now that I'm playing the back of position, I think a lot of people can can get to see what type of football mind I have, my IQ. So. Um, yeah, man, I, I think that'll be the first thing you'll see is the physicality of me. Will I see you uh, rushing inside at all, like the old days? Uh, man, I, I told them to move me around, man, but they, they told me they need me burning that edge, you know. So I, I told Coach Pepham, whenever you need me to kill the nose, I'll get down there in the three-point. But he told me he, he's perfectly fine with me rushing the edge, and I don't got no problem, man. Well, you know, you can play up and down the line, and the versatility is one of your great strengths. What, what was the reception yes, in D.C.? I mean, you rolled up, what, like 24 hours before the game? Bro, so I'm I'm, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna give you the story, man. Yep. I literally uh, left left Los Angeles at 4:30, uh, landed in D.C. Uh, at about two in the morning. Literally didn't get get to bed until like 3:40 uh, because I had to drive from Washington Dulles to Maryland. So um, I literally woke up at so I went to bed at 3:45 last night and woke up at seven yesterday in the morning um, to play the to day play, of the game. Uh, to go, yeah, the day, the day of the game, man, to go uh, learn some plays and play in the game. So, so, yeah, so 7 a.m. you wake up, you're probably tired as fuck, okay, right? <laughs> yeah. So so then yeah. what, you got a team meal, and what time was the game? This was the early game in the afternoon? No, early game. So I kid you not, uh, woke up at 7.30. I had to go meet a coach at about 8, uh, went over the playbook, had a team meal at about 10. The game started at 2 um, Eastern time. So, yeah, <laughs> bro, we were <laughs> – I was I was I was pretty pretty much a red eye the whole day. I literally got no rest yesterday at all. Did you party after the game? Man, I had to. What did you start after that? That's what I'm Come talking on, about. I, I, I had to, I had to go let the streets know the landlord was happening. The landlord I, I was in the streets. Know. The landlord was. Yeah, I would have been right there with you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so who who am I watching for on this on this DC team? If I'm you know because there's a lot of un- unheralded stars that deserve recognition across the XFL. A lot. Uh, you're looking at the D.C. defense, and you guys are making a name for yourselves. Who are some guys that I should be watching for besides yourself? Uh, I kid you not, man. We have a lot of guys, but a guy that's sticking out to me and uh, stuck out in the NFL a lot, uh, Samarco Thomas, man, safety, nickel guy. Uh, really one of the guys that uh, came up. When I when I first got here, I was like, man, one of, one of the most uh, aggressive guys and most outspoken guys on the team. Also another guy that you need to be on the lookout for, a uh, right receiver here, uh, Eli Rogers. Uh, played a little bit uh, for the, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm sure of, but uh, he, he he's a baller too, though. We have we have a lot of good guys on this roster, man. DC is pretty low, and I'm just thankful to be a part of it, you know. You guys also have some good uniforms, man. I feel like you can swag those out pretty good. Uh, yeah, you can go. You can, you can't go wrong with the all red, dog. The next week we play in LA, so we went uh, uh, the ice of right, the ice of white next Ooh, week. So you know, I love the all yeah. white, the, the all whites. Oh yeah, Chris, you know that. I got to go get me. A Even I can look fast team, in the man. all whites. Even I can look fast in the all whites. That's why <laughs> yeah, you, nah. you got to have the fit right. What's who's got the worst uniforms in the XFL? Now that we're on the topic, uh, what, what the could you not uniforms. swag out? The one I kid you not, not the swag out almost anything. Okay. But the one uniform I, I think, the one uniform I think I cannot swag out is the uh, the Tampa Bay Vipers uniform. I kid you not, that line <laughs> green. I don't know how they're gonna do it for a home game. I don't know how they're I gonna don't do know it either. Man. With the pirate ship up there, do they play at the Raymond James or do they play somewhere else? I think they play at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, I, I think they do. Yeah, <laughs> snakes in the pirate house with the with the lime green. I don't know how that's gonna with go. A, with lines, I don't know how it's gonna work at all, bro. <laughs> but but uh, you know, ye- yesterday y- you're playing uh, you're playing New York, and uh, McGloin goes viral, the quarterback there, right? 
because yeah. he threw the coach under the bus. And it's not the first time, right or wrong, because as you know, as a player, sometimes it is the fucking coach's fault. Um, right, right. But, but what do you think about this, this new thing with the XFL where you come to the sidelines after a great play uh, or a bad play or a bad performance or a great performance? You could have a microphone in your yeah. face. Well, what's the protocol there? Do they ask you permission first? Bro, bro, literally no protocol. So what y'all getting is live and inspect. Like right now, yeah. as soon as we get off the field, though. So whatever's like whatever's going on in our mind, you about to get it. Yeah. And honestly, I like the idea, man, because again, like I say, football. Everybody knows football is a, is a great game, and people love to see uh, what the players are thinking and want to see what what's going on behind that face mask. So to give us the opportunity to express ourselves after a big play and, and for the fans to get those emotions, though, I tell you, it's doing a lot for the XFL and it's doing a lot for the game of football. You can see it. I think it's great. You know, I, I think it's great as players. I mean, we've been mic'd up before. Uh, certainly, yeah. I bet you were mic'd up at some point, whether it was in the league or at LSU. And, 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 yeah. and, you know, you have control over that. You know, at the end of the day, if you're mic'd up by your team, after the game, they run through it. If there's anything that makes you look bad, if you lose your cool, if you say something bad, they're going to cut it out. But, you know, it's no holds barred uh, with, with the uh, with the sideline interview. So I think it's pretty cool. What rules do you see as a player? I know maybe not as many as a D lineman, but there's some position players out there who might be looking at these XFL rules. And, and teammates of yours like, I have to adjust to this. Guys that played in the league, college football, even guys in Canada. What, what are the rules that you notice that guys are having the most problems adjusting to? Honestly, uh, the one thing, and I, and, and the, this is a little bit of a different rule uh, for me, but uh, my last week, last week I was on the kickoff, and you know, not having that running start kind of messed with yeah. me a little bit because I like to have a full head of steam. Yes, so I've I seen think it. that I, I, I think I think that rule honestly is beneficial for the game, but I do think it takes away uh, from from a lot of the big plays and things on special teams as well. So yeah, yeah, man, that's it, it, that's still a rule we're still trying to get adjusted to, but I think it's worked out well so far. How about the one with the head, the headsets? You got six guys on defense with the headsets, right? With headsets, yeah. So uh, now we have uh, no. So now it's actually two guys. So you have a mic back and you have a safety with headsets. Okay, gotcha. So, uh, yeah, man. So it's actually two guys you can have talk to on the field at the same time now. And the headsets don't cut off. You know, in the NFL, usually like fifteen seconds into the play clock, you yeah. know, communication with coaches stop. Yeah. Uh, but here, but here in the XFL, we get to talk to our coaches throughout the whole play call. So. I mean, that's beneficial for us as players, too, you know, because they can see something in the booth that we can't see right there. And the play clock is shorter, yeah? It is. It's actually 20 seconds. Like, I think making the game faster um, is better for the offense and also better for the defense because sometimes the offense can get cut off guard and, you know, give, give us a couple of free plays. But like I said, man, this game now now is for the fans and um, a lot of guys are trying to get back into to some different situations, but – yeah, man, I, th- I think, you know, the, the, the speed of the game has, has been a big uh, impact so far. And then it's like, because I remember being in the league, at least when we were in New England, you, we, were, we were learning that defense, which is the playbook was, yeah. you know, like a stack of Bibles, uh, you know. Well, uh, what? Rocket and, yes. And, you know, do they have to simplify defenses and schemes a little bit because of the quicker uh, play clock? Um, you know, on defense, you got to get your checks in. You got to get your they calls do. in. They do. They do. So the playbook, playbooks do have uh, some structure here, a little bit more structure because, you know, you have to put some things in on a shorter period of time. So uh, coaches aren't trying to confuse a lot of guys. You know, you, you do have different, uh, you know, different sets of guys. You got guys that are fresh out of college, guys that have been out of football for about two, three, or even four years. And guys that like myself that, have, you know, I just left Canada. You know what I mean? Right. I'm, I'm never out of the game too long. So, um, coaches just try to keep it simple for us and not try to make anything difficult so we can play fast, man. But I think, it's like I said, man, I think uh, the XFL has been cool and, and you can see the, the structure and organization it has because it's been successful in a short amount of time. Man. You you mentioned having played in the other leagues. You were in the AAF. Uh, and I know, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you don't like, you know, dragging or trashing other, other leagues or anything like that, but the AAF failed. And, um, right. you know, I watched that and I'm thinking of guys who have invested all this time, obviously the way it ended, um, the chaos. What, what, yeah. why is the XFL not like that? And give me an illustration of why the AAF was so hectic. Man, um, ha, ha, first of all, man, Memphis, I love this city at Memphis, man. Shout out to the Memphis Express. That was my team in the AAF and, uh, Mike Singletary is my head coach, but, uh, 
Man, the structure, like I said, I feel like it's the ownership. Um, Vince McMahon has done a great job so far uh, rebranding the XSL. And um, as, as he said himself, he's, he's put uh, over $500 million of his own earnings um, to make sure this league can run and stay up for, for at least two to three years. So um, at the end of the day, um, I just feel like this league has been structured better than than the AAF, uh, but not not saying Charlie didn't do a great job of promoting and trying to do uh, everything in his due diligence to make the AAF work. But uh, Mr. Just Eddie lost money, came right? Short a little bit, man. Yeah, just lost money, man. Came short in a lot of the areas, man. A lot of the investors didn't they backed out, um, just didn't think the league was going to be good. Um, and honestly, I, I it, it showed a little bit. You know what I mean? The ratings went down. The uh, people, the stadium, when you can tell the difference from the XFL and the AAF, man. Look at the stadiums. Uh, and a road trip. I mean, engaged. road trips are yeah. probably different, right? I mean, for players on the team, like what, where you're eating, where you're staying, everything. You know what I mean? And the cities too. The cities as well. When you look at football, the AAF, uh, they weren't in real football cities. They're right. probably probably some college towns, but. You know, th- those cities weren't good for professional football like Birmingham and, and, right. and Memphis, just to name a few, you know what I mean? So, I mean, like I said, they probably could have been a little bit better and took their time with some things. I felt like the AAF rushed it a little bit. Yeah. I feel like the XFL actually took their time the past two years to make sure they had everything etched in stone, and now it's up and running, man. What's the goal of most guys in that locker room? I know everybody's got different goals. They have different histories. Yeah. You've got guys like you who probably people look up to because you played – about a half decade in the league and you're a star now, yeah. but there are guys that they might not have played in the league. There's guys that probably wish they were, they were going to be back in the league soon or what, what's everybody's goal. Like when you talk to guys, like what, what's the, what's the, uh, the end, uh, with, with this, Bro, you know, with this, this, I uh, this thing. I, with the, with the league, I kid you not, man. A lot of guys, uh, want to make this thing work. A lot of guys, or, uh, you know, it, it, we, we've all been a part of the league. We've all been a part of different situations. Every, 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 every professional company has politics. Everybody deals with things that they don't want to deal with. But when you look at the XFL and they made it clear, Vince McMahon made it clear, he's not trying to be a little brother league. He's not trying to be a spring league. He wants it to be a league for the next 50, 100, 100 plus years if he can make that happen. And I think, I think he's on the right track this time around with a lot of the guys that they put in position as leadership. Um, you got a couple of guys like uh, like like myself and Cardell Jones, my teammate, um, who are who are a couple of big name guys have been around, so fans could have a little bit of relationship with the players. And I think, like I said, overall, if we do, what we have to do the first year in this league. I think you'll see a lot more people trying to be a part of this league. Uh, so at the end of the day, man, like yesterday, um, I, the XFL has nothing to do with the NFL at all. But yeah. NFL ESPN posted my interview. Right. Uh, yeah. With 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 the air, with the airline, yeah. you know what I mean. Yep. So at the end of the day, pub is pub, and yep. good football is good football. So, like I said, man, a lot of those guys, yeah, they want to, and, and it's a great opportunity for a lot of those guys to get back into the NFL who want to get back. But uh, when when opportunities happen like this, and you get guys who can stay home and and, and play in front of family and little things, make things a little bit more personal. I think that's a that's a huge difference. So I thought the biggest play you made yesterday actually was um, was your post game interview. When you addressed, uh, <laughs> when you addressed, oh, the, well, you kind of went back and forth. You you were like, yeah, you know, I'm not against reclining on air, airlines. And then, how how surprised were you that uh, you were asked about, about the airline Bro, about the? Rec- I, I kid you not. Diana walked up to me, man. She was like, uh, she was like, so Kimbo, I'm gonna ask you this question about the airline. Have you seen the video with the guy punching the back of the lady? Yeah. You know, punching the seat. Yeah. I said I, I saw it, but what does that have to do with me? She said, "Okay, people want to know what do you feel about recline." That's a great question. I said, Man, it was a great question, bro. And I told, her, I said, I got something for you. Just let me muster something up right quick. And I got <laughs> went out there. And, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be myself, Chris. No, you know, I know. I'm gonna be slow motion. Dog. No, I know. No, I well. So <laughs> for the thing <laughs> for me, so you know where I'm at. That guy was dead wrong, but I am not. I mean, that guy was overboard. That was fucked up. But he was, yeah, he was yeah, he was fucked. He was fucked up. But but don't recline. <laughs> that's it. Don't especially when you see I'm on the last seat in the plane and I'm over six feet. Yeah, and you're that's six foot four, two hundred and seventy pounds. I mean, you know, my knees already in the back of your chair. Already, bro. Don't do. It. <laughs> they they got to understand that, man. They they really. And airplanes got to do better with that too. They don't give us leg space. They have to understand the normal size of a human is, is at least six two. Yes. So you got to give us some space, man. 
Yeah. Well, hey, listen, I, I know you're about to be an even bigger star than you are now. You're going to have a great platform. I hope you keep no, on <laughs> speaking speaking for the voiceless here on the on the airline the issue. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got you, have you have you done the Bud Light seltzer uh, thing after the game? Have you like uh, chugged a seltzer? I, I was a, I, I was a, I chugged one yesterday, man. It didn't catch me. I'm gonna get my shotgun on next week in LA. So I'm letting that one hold me to that. I'm How was it? How was week. it? Bro, it was awesome, bro, with the mango flavor, too. So, yeah, shout out to Bud Light. Shout out to Bud Light, man. I love it, dude. I love it. Um, Kimbo, Freak, Landlord, Anthony Johnson, one of my favorites, dude. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, I'll be looking for you the rest of the year. Real quick, who's the team to beat other than the D.C. defenders before I let you go? Amen, amen, amen. Much respect to this team. Much respect to the XFL Roughnecks, man, down there in Houston. Roughnecks, okay. Okay, cool. So, yeah, man, that's about it. I'll be looking for that collision course, man, whenever you guys play each other. Best of luck, man. I'll talk to you it. soon. Thanks for coming on. Always appreciate the big brother. Thank you for having me. See you, dog. dude. Cowboy we we dial Kyle up. He's good. Welcoming me to the Greenlight Podcast is my special in the field NASCAR correspondent. He's a giant man. He played seven years in the NFL. Chicago Bears legend Kyle Long is also related to me, or I'm related to Kyle Long. Kyle, how you doing, man? How, how's the, the race going? I'm doing awesome, man. And uh, it's always nice to come on here and talk to you. Been hanging out with Dad all morning and afternoon. I think he's sick of me talking about NASCAR. But uh, got a lot of rain delays, so we got time to explain what's going on here at the, the Daytona 500. Yeah, so I, tur- uh, I turned it on, Kyle, um, because I wanted to know how much time was left in the NASCAR race. And... Um, I noticed that there were, the cars were still driving around, um, and I thought maybe after that we could get you on 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 air here. And then I realized that that's last year's race. Yeah, that's on. Yeah, TV right I mean now. you're not the first to do that. You're not the first person to do that. What what's going on? Why did they Why did they uh, quit racing today? Well, Daytona is on the eastern seaboard there in Florida. I think they call that the Pacific side. Subtropical. As you know, Florida's got those flash pockets of rain, and that's what they've experienced. But this is a speed week, so there's been races all week, and the weather hasn't really changed much. It's been nice with pockets of rain, and hopefully we'll get to see this thing go green pretty soon. Is green mean like they fucking they, they go, they get in the car, they drive left? Well, what happens is there's, you know, they got to wait for this rain to stop and then they got to bring out their million dollar equipment that drives the track and it's, you know, two and a half mile track. So that takes a while and you don't want any moisture out there because these dudes are doing 202 miles an hour in a pack of 40 cars. So when I say go green, they're rolling out there and everybody's getting a feel for the track. They do two pace laps and then the third time around the pace car leaves and the green flag waves. And that's when we get to see these cars get going again. So do they? Um, do they have lights? Like I'm serious now. Like uh, do, I, I haven't even no turned light. it on. Okay. So 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 what's going to happen now if it gets rain? Like how many laps were they in? So they were in about I want to say 20 laps. Uh, oh boy, that's not good. Something like that, but that's not good. You know what the good thing is about this, and I know it's not good probably for the fans that are trying to. Uh, enjoy it and know how much time, as you said, is left in the NASCAR race. But for a lot of these drivers, especially the guys who are in their first Daytona 500, I mean, this is a spectacle. You got the, you got a lot of stuff going on pre-race. So if you get a chance to go run 20 laps and then come back to the pit and meet with your team, it's almost like that locker room meeting at halftime. What are the adjustments we have to make? How does the car feel? And you know, how do we feel moving forward with the car? Now, to be, I, I just went, you know, again, I, I, I talked about it uh, before you, you were on here. I mean, you are a, a NASCAR fan. You're not some uh, poser fan. Like, you like to race in your uh, iRacing car. You're on an, you own an iRacing team? Yeah, my, my buddy JR and I, we are co-owners of Mode Media House, which also has Mode Motorsports as a branch off of that. And we've enjoyed being part of the NASCAR iRacing series. Uh, last year, it was the peak iRacing series. Coca-Cola took over the, the main sponsorship this year. Mode Motorsports, uh, we've had a lot of fun doing it. I enjoy racing, and it's been something to fill my time when I'm outside the locker room. So so these these uh, video games actually, have, they have motors? 
in the wheel that I use, yeah, there is a motor. But uh, describe that's about the des- only, describe that's this only apparatus. Describe this apparatus. You've always been a, a big gamer. And what came first, the gaming, racing, or like liking race cars, and then like saying, "I think I'll try this out. Like I'll get a, a big, expensive uh, race car for my basement." Well, you know, you had two crazy younger brothers when you were growing up, and you were always smarter and a bit more tame. Howie and I always enjoyed redlining anything with an engine, crashing anything that could be crashed, breaking anything that would be broken, and and I'm sure Dad can attest to that. But I will say, racing, I never knew I was into racing, like in terms of motorsport, but I always liked driving. I met Dale Jr. in 2003, I believe, at the Radio Shack 500. Dad Grand marshaled it. And I met Dale Jr. early <laughs> in his career. It was, yeah, yeah. It was it was a couple years after his father passed at Daytona, right. the track where they're racing today. And I remember how cool he was. And it wasn't until later in life that I realized how much appreciation and respect I have for these drivers. And um, it, it's really a marvel to watch. You would consider them athletes, yeah? Uh, it's a, it's an argument that I have a lot, and I don't consider them athletes. I think they're extremely talented, and I think that they are. You know, if if they're driving on the interstate, they probably have to have another car traveling behind them so they can tow their nuts around. But <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, like I will. That. I will say that I don't think they're athletes. Now, I, I would push back on that because anybody who has to piss themselves during uh, during a live performance is an athlete. Hey, Chris, I've played World of Warcraft long enough to where I'd had to piss in a bottle below the desk <laughs> yeah, as a younger. I mean, uh, 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 not so to be too graphic here, but I've seen my fair share of uh, off-color citrus coolers laying around the house uh, next to yeah, your video beautiful. games. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I mean, you get right. I, I just, I, I guess they are athletes. They deal with extreme heat. They're using their bodies. So I guess they're meeting a lot of the criteria there. But Yeah, because I bet like I, when you're steering, Kyle, don't you feel it like in your like pecs and your biceps, you're straining, yeah? Because when I played like Hydro Thunder or I get in like in one of the NASCAR things at, um, at Dave & Buster's, I can really feel it after a little bit. If I'm not careful, I'll catch a little cramp. Yeah, you know, you got to be careful. Your ankle gets tired, especially at the short tracks when you're, when you're using the brake pedal a lot. Yeah. But you find that this plate restrictor plate racing um these guys are on it you know pedal to the floor pretty much the entire time and they have minimal wheel move or you know their steering wheels moving really minimally and if they're not smooth on the wheel it creates drag on the car and they don't want to go slow and that's what drag does so you also like golf though by the way you've been getting into golf a lot lately and you're very good at it surprise surprise do you think golf is you know those are athletes I absolutely think the golfers are athletes. And uh, the fact they don't let them ride golf carts is even more indication that they are just elite athletes. Physically. Elite athletes. What do you like more, golf or racing? Those have been kind of your two, uh, you know, like in the last five years, your two big hobbies. Well, luckily, you don't have to marry either one. Um, I think you can enjoy golf and enjoy motorsport. I feel like if I had to pick one, um, I'd probably go with motorsport, to be honest, because. You can get everybody involved, um, even if you want to just go watch and hang out. I feel like it's probably a more accepting crowd if you go to Talladega than if you went to Augusta. Um, yeah, it depends. Yeah. I, I feel like I get along more more with the the mean populace. The mean populace, got it. Yeah, so uh, when it comes to NASCAR, there were two, as I was learning about it today on my laptop before I called you and doing some research on NASCAR, uh, I noticed that the biggest race is at the beginning of the year. So you kind of your Super Bowl is is the first race, yeah. One. Yeah. Um, and then I also noticed that the cars drive uh, backwards, clock counterclockwise, yeah. They do ca- travel counterclockwise around the track. Is NASCAR trying to take our country backwards? <laughs> you know, it's a very good question, Chris. Um, and. I think in a lot of other countries, they do go right uh, around the ovals. I think in Australia, they do that. But, you know, if you want to talk about progression as a nation, I don't know how Australia is faring in that competition, but they go right, we go left. So yeah, I, guess. I think it's about where you're at. Uh, Kyle, you got 40 racers out there today. I, I'm a big uniform guy. I know you, you appreciate uniforms as well. You talk about the paint jobs on these cars. I was just... Um, researching some of these paint jobs and i have a few that stood out to me are there any that stand out to you for better or for worse out of this uh crop of drivers today 
Well, I think one thing that's really cool about the paint is the Wood Brothers paint, the 21 paint, and you can check it out on okay, Google, maybe right in now. post-production or something. No, I'll do it it. we but, do it right now. This is a high-tech studio. So Wood Brother, the Wood Brothers have the 21 font, and nobody else can use that. And it's a very cool font for the number, and you know it's, it's unique to them. It's been around for a long time. Oh, so this is very one. old school, yeah? Yeah, it's old school. I think the 24 paint is beautiful. It's uh, very similar to the Jeff Gordon paint that we grew up watching with the yes. flames on the side. And, yes. um, you know, the Napa paint I'm watching now from last year's uh, race is really cool as well. And there's a lot of great names that are, they're, like ourselves, are carrying on the last name of their fathers right, in the right. sport. And there's a lot of classic uh, throwback paints out there, and it's really cool. Yeah, you know, I noticed uh, probably my favorite was uh, is Kevin Harvick. Uh, he's got a flaming bush light car, if I saw that correctly. Yeah, and you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Kevin Harvick, but he's kind of the heel in my mind. Is he the heel? So damn. And every time that I – he's not the heel, but in my mind he is because everybody that I pick to win, he always ends up uh, beating them. He's really good. Well, I like his I like his car here. Uh, also, I noticed uh, on the other end of thing, Brad Kozlowski, he's got a very – basic boring looking car is it his car is a discount tire is his 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 uh sponsor you know some of the coolest sponsors uh you're amazed because you know how expensive it is to probably get on here with all the the tv and yes all that's uh but yeah brad kozlowski i mean people know him because he can drive his ass off and <laughs> sure can uh, i'm looking at a picture of this joker he just looks like uh, all, the, sure all that he gives a fuck his, about his race <laughs> I'm sure they line his pockets pretty well, too. Yeah, I mean, but the car is kind of basic. I know how good he is. I like the Bubba Wallace car. It's got the, uh, the, uh, the, the you know, the uh, awesome. Air Force teeth in the thank front. Thank you for that up. Uh, he, in fact, jumped out of a plane and landed in a, helico- in a parachute in the infield uh, either today or yesterday. So that's quite a way to enter Daytona and also to have his Air Force paint the old uh, you know, spit fire with the jaws and the teeth in the front is pretty badass. Seems like a me guy. You know what? He's uh, he's also a PC gamer, so I like him a lot. Oh, I'm he's just joking. I'm sure Alabama. he's really awesome. I'm sure he's really awesome. Now, I mean, I, I would argue, though, that if he doesn't win every race, that, you know, the other drivers don't support the troops. Oh, my gosh, Chris. Well, I think that's a hot take. That's our first hot take. Is there a hot take? <laughs> if uh, somebody's got Air Force on the side of their fucking car, you let them win. You know what? Uh, I think your logic is not flawed. Hard to hard to argue there. And then finally, I really like the uh, the one of the bushes, uh, the Monster Energy car. That's really badass. That looks like the heel car. So Kurt Busch is a friggin' wheel man. And in recent history, there's three manufacturers. There's Toyota, Chevy, and Ford. The Toyotas in recent history have been in dominant fashion in terms of research and development. Their cars have just been flat out better. Everybody's supposed to have an even playing field, but Toyota's done it the right way. Kurt Busch's brother, Kyle, races and is the former champion of last year in a Toyota. Now, Kurt drives a Chevy, and he's usually, last year, one of the only cars in the top five, top ten every race in a Chevy. It just is a testament to not only his skill, but also, I think, that badass paint job. Yeah, it's a great paint job. Uh, you know, just don't get stuck with something like Kroger, like my man Steinhaus, like I was just Googling through. Okay, you can't butcher Ricky Stenhouse's name in the Kroger hat because Ricky Stenhouse has one of the most incredible mullets you'll ever see. I'm sure he does. Let me check him out. But I just thought to myself, like, when I see the the brand Kroger, I, I think about, uh, you know. Exceptional meats. A wonderful deli and a meat, tremendous Well, meat, meat that might have been injected with some steroids. Um, you know, I, I'm not, you know. I, and it, is injected with steroids. Yes, nothing. I mean, I'll shop at Kroger. I, I really like their produce, by the way. Um, favorite racer, Kyle, who is your favorite racer? My favorite racer or NASCAR driver? Uh, favorite NASCAR racer. My favorite NASCAR driver. No, they call them racers. If I just pick one, uh, I'll get butchered. But I really obviously enjoy Kyle Busch. We share a first name. That's he's true. the candy man, rowdy. He's a badass, and he's one of the most talented guys you'll see in a NASCAR. Um, he's also one of the most polarizing guys. I'd, I'd liken him to Jay Cutler, extremely talented, but polarizing. Uh, you can't be an asshole, which I'm, it sounds like all that was like a way to compliment an asshole. He's an asshole. 
but he he drives it. Uh, you know, and I've met him, and he's actually a really good guy. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, like he, a competitive asshole. I'm not the, saying he's a jerk. He's the true heel of NASCAR. He's the heel. He is the true heel of NASCAR. But he drives the M&M's truck or car, so it makes no sense to me. So the candy man. I mean, you know, you don't want to see the candy man behind you because he's he's going to end up in front of you, and if you don't let him, you're probably going to end up in the wall. He seems like just out of a NASCAR movie, badass. Uh, Kyle, would he win Mortal Kombat uh, among all NASCAR racers? No, I think Ryan Newman okay. uh, is is up there on my list, and you can check out his stature. He's an absolute fire hydrant. Matt DiBenedetto, he's a crossfitter, but I'm not sure if he <laughs> I like this Ryan Newman guy. Like, I like this, um, this Ryan Newman guy. He is thick with two C's. Yeah, Ryan Newman, uh, when he, God made him, he, he gave him incredible skill in a race car, and he gave him no neck. No neck, bro. He is just pile-driving your ass by the karaoke uh, stage, by the jukebox in the back of some dive of bar. Race and get into your window and, and let you know how he feels. So do, you, do, you, do they fight, these, these guys? They do fight. I mean, uh, my guy Kyle Busch has been his, – his eye has been split open before in the uh, – in the pit, what we know as a fight is probably different from what yeah, goes these on. Are, these are, yeah, these are dust subs. They scrap, and I think that the better fights are between the pit crews because the guys who carry the tires are all former athletes. Yes, they're all real badass dudes, and I mean, I mean, they're fighting behind the scenes. We watch the drivers slap each other, but these guys in the pit are really fighting. So. Kyle, uh, I was noticing when I was Googling, you know, the Mortal Kombat, I wanted to see who the biggest drivers were. There's not a whole lot of big ones. Uh, the average height of a uh, NASCAR driver, I believe, is 69 inches. You go about 75 to 76 inches. Uh, is there hope for you to get in a NASCAR one day and drive? And does your height you know, and your size prohibit that? I was that? explaining to Dad, we were watching the coverage earlier, and we were commenting on how good of a job Michael Waltrip does in the pits. And we know DW, Daryl Waltrip, three-time cup champion. He's the big announcer. Who's, it's his first year not in the booth. Michael's the guy in the pit. He talks to all the drivers. He's about 6'6". Six, six. Oh, really? And, you know, he made a living doing this. Really? So if he can fit, I know my, my skinny ass now can fit. Yeah, you are skinny now, but back you know a couple months ago, I don't know if you're getting in one of those those NASCARs. Um, Kyle, if you had to pick a car and a sponsor, what would it be in a number? If I had to pick a car, like 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 a like you had not not don't wow me with with the technical shit because I'm not going to know what you're talking about. I'll just sit here nodding my head. Um, just talk like to me about what color your car is. Who's your sponsor? sponsor are you like Pepto Bismol? I'd probably be in the the Gillette car or the Walgreens car, potentially uh, Pepsi. That yeah. would be a cool car, I think. I think they'd have an awesome paint, and obviously they're a great sponsor. I would be Kodiak. I I missed that car. You know, the Kodiak paint was awesome. I'm not sure if they have any limitations on uh, tobacco sponsors. Because yeah, nobody chews tobacco in the um, in the NASCAR uh, stands. Well, I think the idea is that the marketing speaks for itself, and okay. <laughs> they don't need to be on cars anymore. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so, Kyle, I guess before I let you go, because I've learned so much about NASCAR here, I noticed there's a guy named Jimmy Johnson last year. Um, Jimmy Johnson, who would he be in the NBA or the NFL? This is like his retirement victory lap. Who's the you know equal pro athlete in another um, sport? Can you hear me? Yeah, got you. Uh, I, I would say Tom Brady. Wow. You look at you look at his championships across a number of years. He he strung together championships consecutively like nobody's business. Now the the the, the winningest NASCAR driver ever is the King Petty with 200 Cup wins, but Jimmy Johnson's got seven titles. Wow. Um, he's so with class, he's done so without, uh, you know, any, anything that has red flags. Nothing's jumped out at us, and he's been a great representative of NASCAR forever. And I think Tom Brady is probably an accurate a good comp there. Comparison. Can you tell our dad that we never used to walk on the NFL set, uh, Fox set and make noise? Like, could he keep it down in the background? We're doing a. Um, it's all good, man. He's getting up there in years. Sometimes I, I think he, he talks forgets louder than where he is. He's talking, yeah. What? So. What? 
Uh, Kyle, um, we talked about racing. You know, while I have you here, there's a couple other things that jumped out. And I want to get you on the on the pod a lot more here uh, with some regularity. I noticed this week that you're a recliner in all this, uh, in the wake of the viral video and some rants online, I noticed that you recline your seat and you are, um, you are okay with people reclining their seats. Who hurt you? Well, now that I get to make my opening statements, um, the thing about travel is it's very difficult for some folks to travel, whether it is because of children or financial means, there are certain things of decorum that you should stick to when you're traveling. And I feel like being the guy that is completely reclined in your chair is an absolute asshole move. But I'm not against the idea of reclining, but you have to have common sense. If I'm paying for a first-class seat, I know that there's room for the person in front of me to recline at a reasonable level, and I won't be obstructed. So why would my reclining affect the person behind me if I'm being considerate. Well, Kyle, I would agree. And there's, there's nuance here, as you mentioned. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to get mad at everybody who reclines. I'm, I'm largely team anti-recline. Now, if a huge dude is in front of me, that looks like he's just, you know, that guy that's walking and we're both that guy at different times, you, especially when you were about three 30, but when you get on a plane <laughs> and you're sitting back in coach because it's a regional jet or something, there's that guy that walks on the flight every time, and everybody as you walk by in the aisle is like, not me, please don't sit next to me. If that guy's sitting in front of me, I'm not going to be mad at him for reclining. He's huge, right? Uh, now, somebody small who's just, you can tell they're a business, they're usually like some businessman that's you know owns a small business or is a, a CEO or something. I, I don't know what they do. They, they usually order a bunch of booze and they just, as soon as they can, they just jerk back and recline super hard. And it usually hits me right in the knees. And that's why I'm, I'm just kind of anti, uh, you know, in coach, point taken in first class. But in coach, I think it's just kind of a no-no. And, and you know, I heard people this week saying, well, first off, the, the guy in question uh, in that viral video, we all agree is wrong. Yeah, that guy's a dork. I would have slapped the shit out of him. I'm gonna well, keep you know, it real with you. Yeah, well, you can keep it real, and they're gonna put your big ass in those cuffs. Um, oh, I'm, gonna, know, I'm gonna, gonna be keeping I'm it real. Goes wrong. Head sitting across the aisle. I'm gonna slap the hell out of him in my brain, and I'll just be able to go to sleep. But uh, you know, I think it's mess. I think it's. I think it's messed up that this is the culture we're in. Then people can't communicate in a healthy manner. Like if you're sitting in front of me and you recline, and and you go back really far. I mean, is it gonna is it gonna ruin my day? No. If it's an hour flight, whatever. I mean, if we're going to Hawaii, I might say something nicely. Um, you know, I don't have an issue with people reclining, but if you're in my comfort zone, bro, if you're obstructing my my health, yeah. I just I just feel like you know, if if you're reclining and my knees are already on the on the on the uh, seat in front of you, I'm just I'm not gonna be shy about getting things out of my bag every three minutes. Like I'm gonna shift a lot. I'm gonna jerk a lot. And, you know, you're not, you know, it's, I'm not going to be punching the back of your chair, but I am going to be kneeing the fuck out of your chair on a regular basis. You know, one thing to do, and I am guilty of this, I have had the person that leans back, um, and I haven't wanted to push their chair, but I've done, you know, I've done one of the cardinal sins, which is put my, put my big old cankle up there in their no, you little did window not. spot. No, you did not. I have. You put, I've taken my shoe off and I've put my foot up there. You put that fucking fleshy cinder block next to somebody's face. <laughs> yeah, that's the move I made. When did you do that? Well, you know, sometimes you, you don't know how you're going to respond to your your back's against the wall, and in that in that situation, that's how I responded. That is just that's that's hideous. That's a hideous. I mean, visualization, I, I can't even, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it out of my head, you know, but so that just goes to show everybody's got something. You, you, you were kind of, we were talking about this earlier in the week and you were kind of taking a moral high ground of saying like, Hey, you pay for the seat, you get to recline, don't complain. You know, it's not a big deal, but you've actually stuck your, uh, your, your, your hoof on somebody's shoulder. You know, I've never touched anybody with my foot, but I've disgusting. definitely gotten in their space. That's disgusting. I can't. I can't. And another thing is, people are like, you know, again, 
why why wouldn't you get to recline if the button's there? That's the argument people are making. Like, hey, listen, like, um, if it's available, you you should be able to do it. Well, yeah, technically you can do it, but there's just some things you just don't do. You know, I would liken it to you know for people that take buses. Um, you know, if you're on a Quicks bus or Greyhound, I would think there's like an unwritten rule, like like in baseball, uh, you don't take a dump unless you're absolutely about to shit yourself. Like you don't blow up the bus bathroom. And some people would say to that, well, you know, if it's there, why not? Why why don't why can't you use it? I mean, I paid for my ticket, and I would say that there's. You know, I'll bring up, I'll bring up another topic within the realm of travel, airplane travel, early flights. Mm-hmm. Where every like I'm talking six a.m. flight, people are exhausted. Everybody's got their windows down um, on the plane, so it's dark and people can sleep in once they're on the plane. The one person who is on the sun, the sun facing side, who leaves their window open mm-hmm. across the aisle, and it's yeah. just like take a look around and understand what everybody else is doing. That's if you can sleep on a plane. I can't sleep on a plane. Gosh, I feel bad for you. Sometimes. Yeah, no, it's been a rough go. But I just want to clear that thing up. I think that, you know, the unfortunate, here was the funny thing. Last week, I, I shared that that clip where I, I kind of exaggerated that I'm going to kick your seat. I'm going to knee your seat. I'm going to inadvertently, quotation marks, uh, shift your, she- your seat as I grab things out of my bag. We did the pod and answered a mailbag question. And the very next morning, that video went viral. And then our team here at Chalk, posted uh our excerpt of the pod the same day as if i was reacting to that uh to that (laughs) to that instance that guy was dead wrong no doubt about it but you will catch a knee or two from me if you do recline yeah his face pissed me off the the only thing that the only thing that didn't piss me off about the guy was he actually and i had to watch me and meg were watching like five times to hear what he was saying he said this is going to be a turbulent flight yeah, I was trying to figure out what he was saying as well. <laughs> he said this is going to be a turbulent flight. Now the FBI is involved because the woman is saying that her her, her chair was getting punched. Now, like I, I understand that you know everybody in your first reaction was I would slap the shit out of him. Like, yeah, may, maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. I'm not trying to leave in cuffs, but if it were I my, don't know if, if I it were my if it were my wife, it were, going to home plate talking to his teammates video more to try to decipher what was being said. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I watched, no, Altuve, uh, Altuve was worried about his third nipple, did you know? They just said third nipple, bad tattoo, I've heard it all, yeah, I can't wait that's to get all to the it bottom was. of that. No, but the guy said that it was going to be a turbulent flight, that's what it was. Kyle, another thing real quick, uh, you know, I said this earlier, I said before I let you go, but you're just so fun to talk to, Kyle. Um, you like Creed and Nickelback, you were tweeting about this earlier this week, What can you... Uh, can you justify so my, that? My affinity to Nickelback probably is riding the coattails of my real fandom of Creed. I I like Creed. The response I get to liking Creed is similar to those that step forward bravely and say they like Nickelback. And, and it, it is I'm similar. Also, I enjoy Nickelback. What's your favorite Nickelback song? Don't tell Saving me. Saving me. Yeah, don't. What is it? Saving me. S-A-V-I-N apostrophe me. me. Look at this photograph. <laughs> you know, it's not wrong to like, it's not, it's not no, a bad thing no, to like. No, no, like, like we just have stigmatized the band so much. And I actually thought Creed got a bit of a bad rap, so I would agree with you. Rap. Horrible rap. Listen, and recently, just off of... You know, my appreciation for Creed, I bought this cologne called Creed. It smells fucking great. I don't think it's affiliated with the with the band, but it's, it's a great scent. I have it as well. It's a clear bottle with the black drippy top. Yep. What it's, I do... Uh, what, beautiful. Yeah, I beautiful walk around scent. the house and spray it on, uh, on my wife and sing Creed lyrics. That's, that's why that, you guys keep making babies. Dad, dad thinks it's funny. It, yeah, he did. What an ultimate helicopter dad. He's just hovering over our interviews like, here, dad, give us a give us a break here. In allegedly his house. <laughs> Kyle, get your own house, man. What the fuck? Uh, uh, Kyle Long, appreciate you joining me. When I get back from uh, Tanzania, we will make this a much more regular occurrence. Uh, and enjoy the rest of the NASCAR race. Hopefully the rain clears up and they can uh, they can finish. 
I would love nothing more than to join you more often, man. I hope you guys get to see this race go green. Thanks for having me. I love it when they go green. All right, man. Take it easy. So again, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, again, one more reminder: Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We will be taking this show on the road to the bush. Green light in the bush. East Africa, Safari, Whitney Merciless, William Hayes, Miles Garrett, Ben Garland, Chris Draft, Greg Bell. Number of guys. Go do some content. Also, I vow to watch every Oscar nominated, well, let's say every Oscar winning film um, and do a pod about all that stuff in my 30 something hours of, of air travel that I've got going in the next week. So check all that out. Uh, again, we'll be back in studio, but in the meantime, we're gonna be dropping some heat from East Africa. Thank y'all, take care. <laughs>